Hello, I'm Alex Davies, founder of Wealth Club. Today I'm with Louise Farley of Deepbridge Capital to talk about their technology growth and life sciences EIS. Hello, Louise. Hi. Um, first off, tell me about Deepbridge, who they are, and sort of give me some background about your own experience. Yeah, so Deepbridge was founded in 2010, so we had our 10th anniversary this July. Um, we're very much sector VC, sort of venture capital uh, sector specialists. Uh, by that, we focus on three core areas, being technology, life sciences, and renewable energy. Um, so we're about 170 million uh, funds under management uh, right now, um, of which about 100 million of that is invested across our two EIS funds that we're going to be talking about today. Um, we've got head offices in... Chester. Uh, we've also got presence throughout the UK and we also have an office in Australia and we're a team of about 45 people now. Um, myself, my background, so I've been in uh, financial services for nearly 20 years. Um, I started off my career in 2001 working for a financial advisory firm. Uh, a couple of years after that I then co-founded a fintech software business uh, which later sold to Mortgage Brain. Um, got into the private equity world in 2005, so I've worked in-house uh, at companies that were involved with VCTs, EIS, and also inheritance tax services. So that's both in the retail side with unquoted investments and also with quoted investments. Um, I Then in 2011, I set up my own consultancy firm uh, where I've worked with a number of the companies in the tax-efficient space. Uh, that is alongside some institutions and family offices, uh, along with some SMEs also. Um, so I have experience on both the, the company side and also on the fund side. Um, and actually, Deepridge were a client of ours. Uh, so I actually merged the business and ported my team across uh, back, oh, it was just over five years ago now. So I've been working with Deepridge for about seven years, um, and I've never looked back since. And so tell me about the two funds. So we're talking about the Technology Growth EIS Fund. So that was established in 2013. Um, there is just over, I think it's about 30, 31 companies uh, in that now. And that's uh, at about 75 million uh, under management. And that's funds that have actually been deployed into companies there. Um, the Life Sciences EIS was uh, established a little later in 2017. That's also spread across about 30 companies and there's about 25 million in those funds. Typically, each investor, how many um, investments would they have in their portfolio? Typical investment size is around sort of four to seven companies. The average side of our investment is about 33 million, um, but the actual minimum size of the investment is 10K. So what are the characteristics um, you're looking for when you invest in a company? We're looking for companies to be IP-driven. Uh, we do like patents, uh, but they're not essential in what we do. Uh, we're looking for companies that can either significantly disrupt an existing market or create a completely new one. Uh, in terms of the management team, they have to have a deep uh, understanding of the sectors that they're operating in. They have to be globally scalable. Uh, they also have to have the opportunity to operate in multiple verticals. And of course, the stage that we're investing in, um, you hear a lot about companies talking about how they should be revenue generation generating or very close to being so. Um, we tend to come in a little bit earlier than that, so it will be where the the technologies might have gone through the R&D stage, that that point of commercialization, um, there's certainly visibility on you know, the signing of some significant contracts, etc. Um, 
And again, on the IP side, uh, certainly with the life sciences sectors, um, it's not always essential that it's going to be revenue generation, which is going to be what's key uh, to creating capital growth. It can be that value of the IP in its own right. And where do you get these deals from? So we have a very strong proprietary deal flow. Um, this has come from our own sector experience, um, also from years of, of uh, seeking new investments from tech transfer offices, universities, uh, incubators. Um, we also look across territories, so we will seek out uh, trends. For example, right now we're seeing you know, a lot of interesting stuff in the femtech space, lots of stuff going on around menopause, also mental health. Um, sort of just coming back to territories, obviously we talk about the US and what used to be Silicon Valley, which then turned into Silicon Forest. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on in Israel at the moment with uh, Silicon Wadi out there. And of course, we've got our office in Australia um, where we've been seeing very strong deal flow for a number of years. Uh, so we continue to be very interested in what's happening over there. So other than the money, um, what do you add to these businesses? Why do they come to you for investment? We are ultimately a team of business builders, um, so we're not interested in just investing cash into a business. It has to be where we can lend our own skill set. Um, being sector specialists, you know, this is very much an attraction for companies to come to us because they do expect to be able to get, you know, first-rate additions to their companies. So we will help to seek bolster the team. Um, we also help with strategy. Uh, we also there's what's sometimes interesting is some synergies within our own portfolios. Um, right now, within the tech growth uh, portfolio, there's two companies, uh, Chainvine, which is a blockchain business. We've also got Chameleon, which is like an invisible uh, sort of fingerprint. Um, both companies are operating across the steel sectors and also wine. Would you believe there's such a thing as counterfeit wine? <laughs> um, but what these companies are doing, sort of being brought together, is that Chameleon can actually put this invisible fingerprint on the product, such as wine or steel. Um, and then what Chainvine does is, can, through its ledger system and technology, is actually track the journey of where that's going. So it's helping to, to stop sort of counterfeit wine and counterfeit steel. Can you talk about some of the investments you've made in the DeepBridge EIS? Yeah, it's quite interesting. So as I said earlier, like the tech growth um, EIS was established in 2013. So we're starting to see maturities uh, happen within that portfolio and some exits. Um, some really interesting ones that have happened over the time, I'd say Voxmart. Uh, Voxmart is a company we invested in about four years ago. Um, it's involved in mobile surveillance and compliance technology. Um, course what's happened in recent months with the COVID pandemic. Um, everybody's had to start working from home. Uh, this has been great news for Voxmark because it's meant that everybody is now using their mobile phones and of course industries and financial services etc. They've had to ensure that they can do so in a compliant manner. Um, so as a res result of which the company is now attracting you know, significant interest not just from new customers but also uh, from co-investors and hopefully some potential exit opportunities. You know, alongside also on the uh, life sciences side, we've got Elasmogen. Um, Elasmogen is a sort of proper bio uh, pharmaceuticalology uh, R&D business. Um, so what I was saying earlier about the value will not necessarily always be in the revenue generation from the outset. Um, by the very nature of medical companies, they can take a bit longer to sort of go through the various licensing, etc., that they have to do. Um, but with the Lasmogen, um, they likewise with with COVID, um, you know, they received one of the COVID uh, continuity grants. Um, so they are now being, uh, you know, funded to explore their technologies and helping with the sort of COVID oncology 
uh, side of things, and alongside which they're also now starting to get significant interest, uh, which will start building up revenues in the business. You mentioned exits. Um, can you talk to me about some of the exits you've had? Yeah, so we had a full exit from our tech growth portfolio last August. This was in a company called iPipeline. Um, this was involved with life insurance software. Um, it actually sold to a Florida tech business for $1.6 billion. Mm. I wish I could say we had a big chunk of that, but we had a very small, small piece, but that still represented a return to investors of about three times on their investment. Mm. And then likewise in Sky Medical, um, so we had a partial exit in that in October 2017. Um, I want to say a partial exit, so the actual sort of history behind that is that uh, it's a medtech business um, and one of its Canadian distributors loved the product so much um, they wanted to buy out any existing shareholders at the, the current share price. So we had investors come in at 36p in the early days. This offer was on the table at £1.85. Uh, so we had some investors looking at nearly a five times return at that point. Um, investors didn't fully exit uh, the company. Uh, those, the value of those shares are valued today at £3. Um, and now where we are uh, in the investment cycle, we know we're starting to look for a full exit on that one. And um, how's the pandemic been for you? Oh, I mean, 2020, what a year. You know, not only have you had the pandemic, you've really had the B, C and D words being the Brexit, COVID and, of course, Donald Trump. Um, but just, just looking at uh, COVID situation, um, given the fact that we do operate in technology and life sciences sectors, you know, to some degree, every company has had to adopt tech in some way. So you could, you know, argue that the companies in our portfolio has been relatively sort of insulated to, to that degree. Um, you know, a lot of companies, they've been quite inventive uh, with some of their, their strategies. You've seen some pivoting in some of the business strategies to take full advantage of what's been going on in the world. Um, and, you know, a lot of them have actually been able to preserve cash also. Um, so a lot of the companies have actually benefited from COVID and the pandemic. So they're really uh, stepping up to the opportunity that's being presented here. Any companies doing particularly well as a result? Yeah, actually, we've got a company called Hurricane, uh, which is a company in the e-commerce uh, software space. Um, and you look at the fact right now that you know governments are trying to recoup debts, debts to you know fund uh, what they've been doing to support the economy, um, and actually. Hurricane operate in the the duties and taxes side of things. So I'm not sure about yourself, Alex, but you know certainly during lockdown, you know I've been spending a lot more on my online shopping. Uh, so Hurricane's really taken advantage of that and is helping you know get those uh, important duties and tax income back into the economy. Very good. And um, how risky is it investing in EIS? Mm. I mean, ultimately, we are talking about early stage businesses, so they are. You know, inherently going to have you know higher degree of risk. Um, the beauty, of course, with EIS is that the government recognises this, so you've got the tax reliefs alongside. Um, we at Deepbridge would like to think that we look to mitigate uh, the risks of investing um, by being sector specialists. You know, we're, we very much know our onions. Uh, so the type of companies that we're backing, um, we're backing them uh, not only in the short term. You know, the the level the the length of time with the investments, uh, we're almost getting wedded uh, to a business for sort of four to seven years. So we want to be, you know, very sure through our investment criteria uh, that we know what we're getting into. Um, so we do look like with our, so with our hands-on management side of things, um, we hope that working with the companies, uh, monthly KPIs, we'll put people on the board to ensure that we can actually uh, infer some change if need be. 
And do you expect many failures in the EIS fund? And have you had many failures? It would be naive of me to say that we don't expect any failures. Right now where we sit, we haven't actually got any within the EIS portfolios. Um, you know, we operate SEIS alongside, you'd, you'd see some wobbles there. Um, but within the EIS uh, portfolios, we operate a evergreen uh, deployment strategy. So some people often say to me, well, what, why, what's the benefit of doing that? Um, of course, to the investors, you know, there's a, there's a higher visibility on companies um, and they're refreshed monthly so they can see that. Um, to the companies, uh, by deploying sort of capital over a few months, they might be in a certain tranche size. Um, if you take the analogy of like cash and fire, you know, if you give the company sort of too much, it will burn and uh, sort of burn up. But, you know, if you don't give them enough, they'll, they'll go out. But you have to have this sort of constant uh, drip feed of cash. And that just gives us a bit more control of being hands-on manager to ensure uh, that they're doing what they should be with the capital. And finally, if um, I want to put money into EIS this year, why should I choose DeepBridge? I'm obviously very biased. So DeepBridge is a fantastic choice. Um, by operating the technology and life sciences sectors, um, you know, one of the things that's come out from the, the pandemic is you're looking at all the, um, all the sort of pundits and, and the market trends. We're all saying, you know, digital transformation and healthcare innovation is the, the winning sectors to come out of all this. Um, this is something we've always done. We've been operating in the sector as DeepBridge for 10 years. Um, so by putting your cash with us, you know, you've got the reassurance that you are actually coming in uh, to sector specialists, uh, hands-on management, um, so we actually know what we're, what we're doing. Um, to investors, um, again, another benefit is of transparency. So this isn't just uh, from ongoing with our reporting, it's right from the outset. Um, I mentioned earlier that we do these monthly deployments. Uh, we're very transparent on the companies that they're going into. So investors can actually ask us, well, what type of companies, if I was to invest tomorrow, is my money likely to be put to work to? And we can actually uh, give that information over. Um, not only that, uh, obviously there's the added benefit of the speed of deployment, uh, that we do do monthly deployments. So from a paperwork side of things, that's you know a quicker turnaround on the EIS3 tax certificates. Um, and so, yeah, just right now, you know, given where we are in the world, there is a bit of a sort of emotive sentiment as well uh, about investing, certainly in technology and life sciences. And people do want to see uh, that their money is, is doing some good. So, you know, we're not investing in, in biscuits. We're investing in, in companies that, you know, very much have a, a, a genuine uh, uh, offering to support, uh, you know, companies with a genuine need uh, that's going on at the moment. Louise Farley of Deepbridge Capital, thank you very much. Thank you.